Welcome to the official business and lifestyle legends podcast. Real life stories, exciting interviews, and a lot of knowledge to change your life. And here is your host of today's episode, Ben Schneider. Today's episode is powered by jobmofi.com. Jobmofi.com is a job search platform where you can hire a remote worker from the overseas, from all over the world, and you can sell your services on the marketplace. So if you need a remote worker, a designer, a virtual assistant, a web designer, developer, or anything else, go on jobmofi.com, sign up for free, only verified users, no fakes, no scam. Check it out, 14 days free trial on jobmofi.com. Welcome guys to the Business and Lifestyle Legends podcast. My name is Ben Schneider. I'm the host of this episode and today I got another awesome guest for you. Today we are talking about the solopreneurship and we're going to do this with the with the CEO of vistio.ai. He's also the host of Solopreneur Grind podcast and uh Solopreneurgrind.com. Please, guys, welcome Josh Shacknow. Hey, Josh, how are you doing? Hey, Ben, I'm doing really well, and I just want to say thank you very much for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks for being here today. So, um, as I mentioned in our speech before, most of the guys are being entrepreneurs. They have big companies, big teams, and um, all that kind of stuff. But basically, uh, a lot of our listeners and also myself, I was starting as a solopreneur. I did all by myself. All the, the fir- One of my first businesses was the e-commerce store, and I did all, everything by myself. I created the logo and the, all these signs, the store, and all the content parts, and the social media, and all that kind of stuff. And this is, I think, how most of the people are starting their career. But um, today we're going to talk about more about solopreneurship and maybe the advantages and disadvantages of it, because both have good sides and both have bad sides. And um, what is your point of view? Is, is it better to be a solopreneur or to be an entrepreneur? It's a tough question, Ben. I mean, I think it kind of depends on the person and also on what you're building, right? So if we talk about kind of some pros and cons, I mean, some pros about an entrepreneur and building a team is you get to, you're, you know, you're working with more people, there might be more creativity, more kind of communication happening day to day. And there's also probably a higher peak to your company, right? The moral of the story is a company of 300 people can probably generate more revenue at the end of the year than a company with one person, right? Uh, So kind of the upside might be higher. On the other end of the spectrum, you could say that, I mean, now with technology and the internet, an individual can make way more money than they could have been capped at 20, 30, 50 years ago, right? Like if you're starting a business 30 years ago, or maybe even, you know, 50 years ago, whatever, service-based business, product-based business, there's just only so much you can get done in a day, right? Because you got to use the phone, you know, maybe there's no email, no internet, et cetera, et cetera. So now I would argue it's probably easier than ever to earn a very good living just in a one-person business 
some of the other advantages are things like not having to manage a team, right? You don't you don't have to manage and, and worry about other people, other responsibilities, stuff like that. Set your own work hours. That can be a positive or a negative, right? Because sometimes it can be kind of difficult to manage hours and set limitations. But just a lot more flexibility, a lot less stress. At the same time, you don't have other people to kind of stress out with, right? If you have a team, you can stress out together, right? You can express your feelings and kind of share them with other people. There's ways around that as a solopreneur. But I think those are kind of the big pros and cons. I would say depending on what you want to do, you know, if you want to build the next Facebook, you're probably not going to do that as a solopreneur. And then also, you know, what kind of lifestyle do you want to live? Do you want to just work nine to five? Well, solopreneurship might be better. If you're running a big company with a lot of staff, you probably won't have the same work-life balance. So that's kind of my thoughts there, if that makes sense. 100% agree with that. So and you mentioned about the scalability if, uh, from, from today's times. So you're 100% right. Uh, 20 years ago, that was not possible. But today, you can have an e-commerce store, for example, a dropshipping business, running Facebook ads by your own, and can make a, a whole bunch of money. That's 100% true. And in addition to that, I think it's from saying that as an entrepreneur, it's way easier to be a solopreneur. Way easier. <laughs> if if you are a solopreneur, you think, hey. Being an entrepreneur is that easy because people are doing all that stuff for me and I, I don't have to do that. I don't have to worry about that. I just can can speak with the managers and they will manage team then and thoughts like that. And this is basically not true because you have you have way more work if you're an entrepreneur in comparison to being a solopreneur. Um, in addition to that, you need to worry about, for example, maybe getting enough customers, getting enough work for your people, that your people has uh, enough work. You need to guide those people. You need to guide anybody if you're alone, mm -hmm. but if you are working with people, you need to guide them. You need to instruct them, care about them, ask them, um, about their problems, about their needs, um, about the salary, about the output, about the, the, the amount of output, the quality of output, all that kind of stuff, which is just not existing if you're a solopreneur. You only care about your stuff and you know you get your shit done and this is, uh, and then it's, uh, it's great. Mm -hmm. But in my view, and uh, then I would like to have your point of view on that, in my view, if you if you be a solopreneur, you earn good money. So let's name it. For example, you earn ten thousand dollars a month. So which is quite quite usual um, if you being a uh, being solopreneur. And then you start being an entrepreneur. Ninety nine percent sure you will earn less money in the first couple of months. Um, than just staying as a solopreneur because now you need to pay people. Now you need to invest your time in those people. Investing your time in those people makes you not more money. And so there's there's a shift, there's a gap from, for maybe a few weeks or maybe a few months where you will earn less money than before. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would agree in most cases that's the case. And, and usually the reason is there's that kind of 
almost like an inflection point where you're going from one employee yourself to two or two to three or five to eight, you know, whatever, whatever. There's a point in time. And like you said, it could be weeks, could be months where you're now incurring more costs, added salary, contractor, et cetera, et cetera. But you've yet to realize the output of those costs, right? So as an example, you know, you're running a widget business, right? You're selling something door to door and you're making 10K a month, as you said. And you think that by hiring somebody, you can double your sales. So you hire somebody at five grand a month. For those first few weeks or maybe few months, you're paying five grand a month. But because you have to train them and they have to get up and running and then they got to learn, you know, then they're going to improve over time. Those first few months, they're not selling 5,000 worth of materials. So there's that lag time where your costs are higher than they were before and your revenue is not outperforming the raised costs yet. And that's tough, right, Ben, because it's a risk. And what if it doesn't pay off, right? What if you hire that person for five grand a month and they're just not good at their job? Months could go by and you could never break even, right? You might never break even. So that's a really tough point, right? That first hire is probably the hardest for two reasons. Number one, because that cost has such a marginal impact on you, right? As one person earning 10K, paying a salary of 5K a month, it's huge. That's 50% of your income, right? Whereas going from like, 10 people to hiring the 11th, it might just be, you know, a, a small difference. And secondly, is now you go from one, em one employee of the company to two, and you have to train that person who doesn't know the business like you do, right? The, I mean, I'd be interested to hear what you think. Like when the first time I hired, I didn't even hire an employee, I hired a contractor. And I learned really quickly the hard way that training is so important because I know everything about my business. So when I have to go do something, I don't have to think about it all that much. But when you hire a contractor, an employee, and you say, hey, go do this, what you don't realize is they have 10 questions. What do you mean by this? Where, where do I find it? Where is it in the Google Drive? You know, how do you want me to write that email? Because they don't have the same knowledge that you do about your company. So there's the cost part, and then there's also kind of like the implementation part. Um, that are super important and, and it makes for a very big change. Yeah, definitely. And as you mentioned, maybe you hired the wrong people, the wrong person. So you spend that 5k a month and after two or three months, you realize, hey, this person will not going to make it and you need to fire them and uh, go for a new one. So you have new hiring process time, which costs you money because you're investing your time in that. And then you have new training time, new trial period. And uh, this, and this also could be exhausting um, as well, definitely. So, and what you mentioned, um, training is that important and people do not know your company. There are so many things that are 100% clear to you and you think you don't think about such stuff mm -hmm. and then you hire someone and this person is asking you hey how do I do that how is that going and you th you think like what this this is so so easy but this people this person could not know that because it's your company since I don't know maybe 10 years so this is this is a process you need to understand and you need to care about mm -hmm. I hired um, a 
a new support agent for my e-commerce store. And we are in a very special niche because we are selling sea monkeys uh, globally. So you do not find that easy, a support agent who is into the sea monkey, how to hatch them, how to breed them, and all that kind of stuff. So you need to train um, those guys. And I was with her, I don't know, for around four weeks. Um, doing the daily, uh, the daily support stuff. And that cost me a lot of time. And in that case, a lot of money as well. But in the long run, this will pay off definitely. Mm -hmm. But uh, when, when I was starting as a, or not starting, when I was a solopreneur and hired my first people, uh, to be honest, with the first two, three, four people, it went completely wrong because they didn't meet my expectations. They were way too costly and um, for another one, I didn't have enough work for, uh, after three weeks uh, because I, I thought there's a lot of workload, but then I hired someone full time that cost me three or 4,000 euros a month. And after three weeks, I realized, hey, wow, we do not have that much work anymore. <laughs> so what to do now? Uh, how's your point on that? Yeah, I mean, the, the other difficult part of all of it is how do you even know when to hire, right? Like there's no rule hey, when you're earning this much, you should hire, right? I mean, so, so even the decision in and of itself, right? When should I hire is a difficult one to make as you just kind of explained with your uh, example. So when to hire, who to hire? I mean, I don't think I know anybody who loves having to recruit, right? Having to find the right people, sift through resumes, go through you know, interviews and talk to people and et cetera, et cetera. It's not all that fun. And then probably the most quick improvement you have to make as an entrepreneur or you know solopreneur making your first hire is how to give instructions. I really quickly fine-tuned and had to get good at giving instructions because as we just said, you know, it, it's not the same. You can't tell yourself, oh, I have to do this. Okay, I have all the information. I can go do it right away. It's you have to get really good at being very specific with your messaging and the information you're providing to people when you're giving them instructions. I've had times where I've hired someone, even just like a contractor, and it didn't work out, not because of them, but because I wasn't giving clear enough instructions, right? I wasn't making it easy enough or clear enough so that they could do their job as effectively as possible. So it, it's super important, Ben. I mean, it's it's... It's hard to judge. There's a lot of important decisions, training and all that kind of stuff that you have to get right in order for the whole thing to be a success. Yeah. And what you mentioned, it's not that fun to hire people. So uh, I'm not sure if you know that, but um, I own a platform which is called Chopmofi.com. You can hire remote workers there from the overseas. And we have a hiring service and oh, wow. people use the hiring service exactly of this problem because uh, the hiring process is very time consuming and it's no fun. So it's better to get uh, one or two recommendations to the interview and then hire or not. So this is, um, this is way better. And this is something I would recommend to people. So uh, from my background, I'm mostly working with remote workers. Mm -hmm. Um, I just have people in the office here for the e-commerce store who are packaging this, uh, the, um, the orders, but uh, all for my digital marketing agency or for Shopify or for the podcast, all people are 
um, remote working from the overseas. And this is something I would recommend um, because I was starting, I don't know, 10 years ago with someone in office space here from Germany. And that's what you mentioned. This guy was incredible expensive, cost me three, 4,000 euros a month. If you start, for example, um, with a designer, with a VA or with a WordPress expert, a writer, something like that. This is way cheaper. So for example, if you hire a designer with us on Shopify, you can get them for $400 a month. Mm. So if then there's not enough workload or anything like that, um, it's not that problem because it's only $400 a month and there's it's a remote worker, so basically you shouldn't do that, but there are no government laws for having employees or anything like that because it's a freelancing contract, it's a freelancing relationship, even if the person is working eight hours in your company a day. Um, so this times by today, it's way easier to hire people, uh, to fire people, to work with people, um, because you don't need to provide them a, t a desk, a chair, a computer or anything like that. So it's way cheaper and it's way easier. But I agree with you 100%, you need to be clear in your instruction because this is also the number one or one of the most common problems we were solving um, with clients that they give not clear ex uh, instructions to the people. And as you mentioned, people don't know your company. How should they know? So you need to tell them. And what I do as a tip, um, I create videos. Mm -hmm. I do videos for them, showing them what they, uh, where they need to click, um, explaining them by voice, uh, why we are doing that and all that kind of stuff. And then it's working, but you need to be clear in your instructions. Absolutely. I, I think that's the best way to start, Ben, instead of just going all out and hiring somebody, start small, right? Start with a freelancer, a remote freelancer. I, I think, you know, all the benefits that you mentioned and more, including like, uh, you know, taking advantage of currencies, right? Uh, I live in Canada. If I want to hire someone in Canada or the US, it's going to cost me this much. If I want to hire a VA in the Philippines, it's going to cost me this much, you know, or a software engineer in India, it's going to cost me this much, right? So why not take advantage of that. And the other reason is you can try out going from one to two, right? If you're a solopreneur working as the sole employee, maybe don't jump to two full-time people. Start with a freelancer. I mean, how I found my co-founder for my tech company is I, and he's based out of Canada, but I hired him as a freelancer. And you almost, you know, it's almost like you're dating, right? Like I was talking to somebody else the other week who was saying like, you're basically dating before you get married, right? Like you, you try it out, you try working with someone, less dollars a month at risk, less of a reliance on them, and you can see if it works well, and if it does, you can escalate it from there, right? Maybe you do wanna hire that freelancer full-time at some point down the road, try them out as a freelancer first, maybe two hours a day, you know, or, or like you said, even if it is eight hours a day, but it's costing you 400 bucks a month, it's a much lower sunk cost if, if things don't go well. So I would say if you're getting to the point where you're thinking of hiring or maybe you're just at your capacity, hire someone remotely for a few hours a day or a few hours a week. You'll learn a lot and you'll get much better at giving those, that direction and instructions. And then it'll make it easier to make further decisions from there. 
Yeah, and what you mentioned, there is no no point that tells you you need to hire someone now if you earn that much. I think it's not about the earning or the income. I think it's about the workload or the the professional professionalism. So, for example, if you are not good in doing designs, like I, I was 15 years ago, uh, I was bad in doing designs, and I'm still bad. Mm -hmm. So. If I can hire, if I get the chance to hire a designer, this would improve my company. So definitely then you should do that. But there is also then um, the difference, what you mentioned, between hiring someone for doing that design and hiring someone full-time. Because for full-time, you need to give that guys uh, a lot of workload. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, ultimately, everyone's a little bit different, right? Like no business journey is the exact same, right? They're all a little bit different. And at the end of the day, as you said, depends on what are your skills and what are you know, what are you strong at? What are you weak at? What's your financial situation look like? What's your workload? Because the other thing too, Ben is like, even if your workload's low, like maybe you're only working eight hours a day, but you're making a 100 grand a month. And Hiring someone means you could only work four hours a day. It might still be worth it, right? So it, it's kind of situational on a few of those factors. As you said, you know, what are you good at and not good at? What do you, or, or another way to word that is, what do you like doing and what do you not do like doing, right? Maybe you love design, maybe you're good at design, but you hate it and you're making enough money to outsource it. There was a good quote I saw the other day. It was like, if you have enough money, you don't have a problem. If you can solve the problem with money. Right. Like if you have a problem, meaning, you know, if you hate do you have to do an hour of design work every day and you're whining because you hate doing an hour of design work, but you have a hundred K in your bank account and it's going up every month, you don't have a problem. You, the money can solve that problem by hiring somebody. So that's a, I, I thought it was, I think I butchered the quote, but that's kind of like what they were saying, you know, like it's, it's not a problem if you have the money to fix it. Yeah, would agree 99% with you because uh, the money alone will not fix it because you need to care about this guy's work. You need to instruct them, as we mentioned. You need to yeah, work with true. them. So that was that. That was also one learning um, that I did um, because of you mentioned it. I had a lot of money in the bank account and I had a lot of work to do. I was hiring a bunch of people. <laughs> and then I had that much people that I had no time to care about all those those people. And what then happens is that you do not have enough meetings with them. You do not guide them enough. So the the motivation of them will get down. The quality of their work will get down. The output of them will get down. So this is also something that will happen if you do not have the time to care about them. And uh, yeah. As I mentioned, I did that mistake. I hired so much people because they were, in, in my view, cheap and I had a lot of money, so there was no problem. But the problem was I hadn't time to guide them and to care about them. And uh, mm -hmm. you always need to, uh, need to have in mind you are not hiring robots who are delivering your tasks. You're hiring people for your team and your team is like a family and you need to care about those guys so otherwise as mentioned motivation will go down have you experienced anything like that in your life yeah it's a good question i mean we actually we worked with a contractor of even just a month or two ago and uh 
I think in we ended up not con- we worked with them for a few months and then we ended up not continuing, and I don't think all of it was his fault. I I think we may have kind of and in our def- our defense we were kind of testing a new piece of technology and selling it into a new uh, region that we hadn't been selling it in before. New piece of software selling into a new region that I don't have as much experience selling into, and we thought you know what. Let's hire them. It was is it was in a good currency for us, so it wouldn't cost us very much. Let's throw them in there and see what happens. You know what I mean? And we kind of just like gave them the bare minimum. And over the two months, we ended up learning a lot. We didn't end up making any sales. Definitely didn't pay for. You know, we didn't get the return. But in hindsight, because I think what's very important is if anything goes wrong, or even when things are going right to look back and evaluate what went wrong and how can you avoid it in the future. I don't think we set them up for success, right? We didn't give them as many maybe like sales strategies or this was for, we, we ordered, we uh, used them for sales specifically for new piece of technology in a new industry. And we didn't give them all that many materials to set them up for success, partly because we didn't have them, right? Because it was, it was new, but it's definitely, it can definitely be a, you get what you pay for in terms of money and in time, right? So it's not to say that if you hire cheap resources, you can't get a lot of output because you absolutely can. The key is typically in, in, in most cases, you, if you pay for better quality, you tend to get it. But what's most important with people is the more time you invest in them, the better chance you're gonna give to them succeeding which is going to come back as a good return for you. So it, it's basically exactly what you said played out in the negative for us a few months ago, Ben, which is like we didn't probably invest enough time in resources, in meetings, in motivation, and we got what we asked for. So so that was my experience. I don't know. Have you, have you had something similar? Yeah, you just gave them money and... And nothing else. Well, we, <laughs> there, we, was no... there was progress, right? There were sales meetings and talks and emails and stuff like that. But we didn't we didn't sell enough to make it worth the investment. That's for sure. OK, yeah, um, I, I, I have a similar case I hired. So basically, I have an, a digital marketing agency, um, but we haven't done SaaS in America and uh, before and there are two ways to do it. Either you do it by yourself and get some experience or um, you put your money into an expert on and learn from them. And I, I was going the second way. So I hired a digital marketing agency from the US, put them some money and um, wanted to learn from from their from their statistics and um, yeah, how they did it and stuff like that. But <laughs> what I was realizing was that they were, I, I don't want to say they, they don't know what they're doing, but in our case, so basically I've made more than 12 million uh, euros in sales only from Facebook ads, for example. And when I saw what those guys were doing, it was ridiculous. So um, this was a three-month contract, um, and I uh, I fired them after I think two months, and um, yeah, it was not not really nice <laughs> how we left each other. Um, 
but this this was uh, ridiculous. So um, there there are sometimes different ways to learn. Um, some every time basically guys every time it costs money <laughs> so either if you choose that way or this way it will every time cost you some money and definitely you will learn a lot um, but you need to as you mentioned you need to try to avoid doing the same mistake twice um, so you're the founder of Wisto.ai what are you doing with your company yeah, so Visto is it's an immigration platform. So so by day, my first solopreneur endeavor was as an immigration lawyer. So I'm based out of Canada. I'm a Canadian immigration lawyer. I was helping immigrants, you know, come to Canada. And a few years ago, realized that it was a very slow, automated process, but that nobody was building technology in the space to make it easier. So we've built a platform that helps prospective immigrants learn about Canada and pick the right programs that are best for them so that they can get started. And we've also started white labeling some of our software and selling it to other immigration lawyers and consultants to make their practice easier so they can save time, make more money, improve their business uh, as well. So that's why I was mentioning I have my technical co-founder and uh, we're building that up uh, both on the B2B and, and B2C side. It's been a lot of fun, especially kind of pivoting from professional services into tech. Uh, it's, it's been very interesting, learned a lot in the last year and a half, and uh, it's, it's, been, uh, it's been a really great experience. So your targeted audience are only lawyers? Well, no, for, so for our platform, we target anybody. Anybody outside Canada who wants to come into Canada, they can go to our website, visto.ai, uh, V-I-S-T-O dot A-I, and they can start learning about Canada for free, learn about the different programs, ways to immigrate, permanent residency. Uh, immigration lawyers and consultants can also get in touch with me if they want to learn more about our software that can help their business save time, convert more leads into paying customers, make more money, all that kind of stuff as well. Awesome, awesome. And you have the Solopreneur Grind podcast. Um, let's make a little bit promotion for your podcast what are you talking about in those uh, in these podcast shows? yeah so the, the podcast i started probably like almost four years ago i think episode 93 is going live this weekend and while i was practicing you know practicing immigration law i was just kind of bored practicing by myself and i've always loved podcasts and so i just said you know what i'm just going to start interviewing other solopreneurs and that was about, like I said, three, four years ago, we're 90 plus episodes later, I've talked to 90 plus other solopreneurs. And uh, if you're interested in hearing more from like the everyday Joes, you know, like the solopreneurs who are making six figures, living a good life on their own terms, some of which who end up turning into entrepreneurs, right? They end up maybe building a small team or maybe even a big team. Uh, but, you know, I've interviewed digital marketing uh, agency owners, professional athletes, coaches, domain sellers and buyers. I mean, almost anything you can you can think of, uh, I've interviewed. So it's a lot of fun. And uh, if you want to check that out, solopreneurgrind.com, and you'll find everything right there. Awesome. It's also solopreneurgrind on Instagram. Yep. And um, if people want to learn more about you or uh, follow you or find you, getting in touch with you, it's joshshacknow.com. Um, yeah, awesome, Josh. 
thanks for that talk today. Thanks for um, yeah, sharing some thoughts on the solopreneur lifestyle, which is, I think, good to start. In my view, as you mentioned, if you want to grow big, you need to be an entrepreneur, you need to, be a, you need to have a team, but it will definitely not be easier than being a solopreneur. Absolutely. <laughs> so do, do you have any, any thoughts you want to share by the end of this episode? Uh, yeah, I mean, thanks very much for having me, Ben. It's a great conversation. I would say if you're stuck between the two, don't overthink it. You know what I mean? Just get started with something, right? Whether solopreneur, whether you want to start with a team or, you know, build a big business, everything has to start somewhere, right? Start small, take action more importantly than anything. I mean, obviously do some planning, do some strategizing, but most importantly, make sure to then take action, right? Push your ideas forward and you never know what'll come from it down the road. 100% agree, Josh. Thanks for that. Thanks for being here. Hope, hope you guys liked this, epi this episode. And um, if you liked it, please give us a rating on iTunes. Would be awesome. And please be with us in the next episode. Thanks, guys. This has been today with Josh Shagnow. Bye-bye.